City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak Podcast. My name is Mark Bernanke and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What it do, Liquor Bark? I'm doing pretty well today, man. <laughs> I'll test that up. All right, uh, so today we're going to be doing a backcourt preview and we're going to go through like all of the players that are on the Hornets training camp roster, spending more time on the players who you know, we're actually going to get minutes this year and a little bit less time on some of the players that we think will maybe get cut or, you know, are just a little bit less interesting to discuss. And with that being said, we're going to, we're going to start off with LaMelo Ball. Tim, uh, you have a stat that you think will be important in determining how successful LaMelo is this season, right? Um, Yeah, obviously this isn't the end all be all, but something to look out for, you know, with a guard that is, growing up and maturing hopefully to a consistent all-star level player um out of 36 games last year Lamelo had 10 games with five or more turnovers mm. just too much it's too much yeah i mean i think we can pretty much erase last season from our memory and from the stat books um but i i agree with that i mean the the team last year was bad a lot of pressure was on Lamelo last year and his usage was up at 30% last year. That was one thing I, I noted. Just to, to expect to see that go down a little bit this year with, with more help, Miles Bridges, um, hopefully a healthier team. So his usage going down a little bit and just going back to that role he was in kind of in the second year uh, where he's not necessarily you know, taking 20 shots a game um, and having that high of a usage that you can see the turnovers go down. So, so the most important thing I think for LaMelo this year is games played and over 65 games played. He says he wants to make the first team all NBA this season. If he's going to do that, he needs to stay healthy. Last year, he only played in 36 games, which is very, very low. Um, and for his career, he has 162 games played out of a possible 236. That's 68.6% of the games. Not great for a fourth year player. Um, and yeah, just staying healthy. He said he's going to start wearing ankle braces during games. So that'll be interesting to see if that helps or how long that lasts. Like, you know, those could be uncomfortable to wear. Um, and just see, see what kind of like rehab and off season work he did, uh, to, to fix those ankle problems he was having. We'll, we'll see. We've joked about it before, but, um, him being the inverse Steph Curry, uh, you know, the injured third year. Think about it. Steph Curry from North Carolina ends up out in California. LaMelo from California ends up in North Carolina. I don't know. I mean, the Warriors were a laughing stock for a long time. Then suddenly, year four, Steph started to become a star. But that made the ankle braces thing. I honestly, when I saw that, I was I was pumped. Yeah. I was too excited for such mundane news. But um, yeah, man, hopefully if he can stay healthy. And again, we should clarify. I mean, they have been pretty fluky injuries for the most part. But, yeah, I mean, you don't really want to mess around with ankles. Mm, yeah, I mean, I would I would counter that it's fluky. Um, obviously, I'm hoping for the best for his health. But, like, it's always his ankle, right? Like, it's like eh, twisted ankle, twisted ankle, twisted ankle. Um, yeah. 
there was a fractured wrist mm-hmm. as well. I mean, either way, fluky or not, it's tough at a three-year sample size. What? So he's averaging fifty-four games a year. Something, something like that. Yeah, whatever sixty-eight percent averages out to, and that's like. That's, I mean, it's just not great um, for, for a young player who should be healthy. You know, a, a younger player should be able to stay healthy easier. 68% is not not really what you want to see. So um, if he stays healthy, though, that's that's the biggest an X factor for the Hornets' success. Um, I, I agree. One, one last thing on Melo. Um, you know, we talked about the contract. Um, I felt good about his contract the entire time. Seeing uh, Devin Vassell get money like that, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, what really was that, five years? What was it? I like five years, a hundred thirty-five million or a hundred forty-five million. Yeah, yeah. You sent me that, and I was like, I think I just said ha 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 with like like a lot of like misspelled ha's. <laughs> yeah, that was the most jarring news of the week. All right, uh, moving on. Brandon Miller. For him, I've got, does he have more or less rookie of the year votes than Scoot Henderson? And the reason I have it like that, that's not a stat, but this is going to entirely frame like how we view Brandon Miller. The pressure is really on for him. I don't think it's on for Scoot to necessarily be better than Brandon Miller. He was drafted after Brandon. But for all of Hornets fans uh, that are watching this year, it's going to be a comparison to Scoot Henderson. We're not going to compare him to whoever's drafted fourth, or we're not going to compare him to Victor Wembanyama. It's are you better than Scoot Henderson, uh, which you know I think can be defined by the Rookie of the Year votes. And you know if if he's better than Scoot, it, we rejoice, right? Like we got it right. If he's worse than Scoot, then it's like ah, we knew everyone knew that we should have drafted Scoot, and it'll just be the whole NBA media shitting on the Hornets for making that draft pick. Yeah, I would say, yeah, for our own our own sanity, I really hope that that is the case. Um, with a guard like that, also, I think that Portland's backcourt is good. I mean, even, like, assuming they trade Brogdon, I mean, I just think that this year, Simons will be better. Um, very high on Simons. Um, here's, my, here's my real hot take. Um, if the Blazers got the opportunity to draft Brandon Miller, Dame would still be in town. <laughs> He's more NBA-ready. I mean, he's more NBA ready. He's going to be more playoff ready. He's just a better player, better prospect, bigger guy. Can shoot the ball. Can handle. Now, man, I'm I'm pumped. My my stat for or my thing to look out for is Brandon Miller. Uh, pretty tame, but I'm looking for minutes per game. Um, I'm looking hopefully anything. I think low end. Like, do you think it's reasonable like to set the bar at 18 minutes a game? Yeah, yeah, I think that's about what it will be. Yeah, and Cliff, you know, I I hate it. We, you know, it's so easy to make fun of like the coach speak and like, oh, X player gained 15 pounds of muscle. And like, I always think it's so stupid with other teams. And then I read Rod Boone's article and Clifford was like, oh, I mean, Miller's going to be in the rotation. He knows how to play defense. He's ready to go right away. And I was like, yeah, dude, of course. <laughs> like, this guy's going to be a star. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to like listen to media day and not get pumped up, right? Like, uh, what is, what was Terry? Somebody, everybody's saying like, oh, it's the most talented team I've played for, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and you do hear these kinds of things like every year, but yeah, I got, I got a little excited here and Clifford talk about Brandon Miller. I guess the other like honorable mention thing is like, how many minutes is he going to get a shooting guard? We're, we're bringing him up in, in the backcourt discussion. 
kind of assuming that he's like a shooting guard slash small forward, but he could just play his entire season at, at the three. Yeah, I mean, Clifford, they they asked him, and he was like, yeah, you know, we'll play some two, play some three, play some four. You know, we'll we'll kind of see what's going on. Um, you know, versatility is always a bonus, but um, I think a lot of it will come down to injuries mm-hmm. as well. In Gordy, Terry, Mello, just kind of play it from that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll have a pretty even split. I can't see him playing a ton of power forward this season, but I do think going forward, he's got the potential to do that. And I kind of think he will shine from like the two or the four, but not necessarily the three, like in his career. I feel like that's where his advantages will come from, either size or speed. Mm. So it would be something, something interesting to track. Yeah, for sure. I, okay, um, nerf gun to your head, Tim. Does Brandon Miller start over Terry Rozier or over Gordon Hayward or over anybody, like like not an injury at any point this season? Um, nerf gun, I guess, yeah, I would – you know what? I I was high on him. I I bumped him up last episode. And, uh, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, man. I think that he's just gonna be a stud. I could be incorrect, but yeah. I mean, I could see around like, you know, post All Star break, Cliff just being like, "All right, you know, let's let's run this." Um, especially you know if there's an extended injury and he kind of works his way in, it'll be interesting to see like if he does average 14 points a game when Terry's out. It's like, do we just move him back to the bench? I'll, I'll say I'll say yes. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what happened with Lamelo his rookie year, right? Devontae went out, and then he just took over the starting role. So something like that yeah. could, could happen. I, I could see it. Um, really the biggest mistake Borrego made, dude. If we just stuck with Graham, I mean, <laughs> he's still- <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, next person on my list, Terry Rozier. And for him, you know, I've got the X factor for, for his season is just, can he get back to where he was at? Uh, two years ago, or even three years ago. Last year, these stats are all from from Tim sending me screenshots in, like, July, like a psycho. Like, I was out ha- having a good time enjoying my summer, and I just get, like, three screenshots from Tim of Terry Rozier's stats. And Terry had the eighth most three points attempted in the very early shot clock last season. That's 22 seconds to 18 seconds on the shot clock. He shot 29% on those. Eighth most, and he only shot 29% on them. He was the fourth worst in corner three-point percentage of players who shot 75 times from the corner. You think of Terry Rozier, you think he's a good uh, corner three-point shooter. You think he's a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, but he was not good last year. He was worse than Killian Hayes. or Sorry, worst was Killian Hayes. Second was Bobby Portis. Third was John Collins. And fourth was Terry Rozier in terms of, like, the worst three-point percentage from the corner. And you don't really want to – be in that group of players. Bobby Portis is a pretty good three-point shooter, but the other two, Killian Hayes and John Collins, you don't want your name associated with them when you're talking about three-point shooting. So Terry Rozier last year was just, like, not very good. Um, And honestly, like, tons of things went wrong last year. But one of them was, like, Terry Rozier just regressing. Um, And he's on a very, like, sizable contract. We, We need him to get back to the old Terry. I'll give. I'll cut anybody on the team slack. Last year was a train wreck, but uh, can, yeah, can you get back to that old form? Yeah, I mean, you know, fifty-one percent true shooting. You know, he's never been the most efficient guy, but that's crazy. He's also a good example of um, like you know, selection bias. Where like if they're like if this is like nineteen thirty, and you know, we were just like talking shit with the boys, 
I would swear to you that Terry Rozier hit like 70% of his corner threes. (laughs) Every time he makes them, it looks so cool because he's always fading, always running. But um, yeah, no, it's good. It's good to to have that. And, you know, not to be too reductive. Yeah, my stat is Terry Rozier shot 50% or above in 16 out of 64 games last year. That is 25%. So assuming the Hornets play four times a week, it means you have one game a week that he actually shoots 50%. It's not good. And not to be too reductive and focus on the scoring, but Terry's not a lockdown defender. He's not a great passer. He's not really doing anything else. We pretty much just need him to be slightly above league average um, as far as efficiency goes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, what he does well is score. And if he's not doing that well, what is he doing well? He's a good, he's, I think he is like the leader of this team. Um, so I'll, I'll give that to him. But, but at some point, I mean, if this shooting continues, it's time to, time to move on, right? To, to somebody else, Brandon Miller. <laughs> hey, I'm out on. Yeah, I agree. Agree. Again, cutting him slack. I think, I think he will return to like old form. Last, last year sucked for everybody. Um, okay. Cody Martin. What do you got for Cody? Um, the fact that Cody Martin just, you know, I mean, the seven games, obviously everyone knows that. But he's had some injury issues before this. And really just the the eyes on the knee. Like what 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 is this team without him? Like how much how many games can he afford to miss before like it really affects us? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have this long list of guards, but in terms of like people who I actually expect to like contribute real minutes, it's Lamelo, Brandon Miller, Terry Rozier, Cody Martin. Like, um, and and after that, it's like anything we get is like a plus. Um, and if Cody Martin's not there, I mean, that significantly hurts our depth. Two years ago, he was great. Like in his role, he was not great uh, from like a stats perspective, but. He was very good, very good in his role. He shot like 35% on threes. He only averaged like eight points per game, but he just did what he needed to do, played good defense. And, you know, we are paying him $8 million a year, which isn't a lot of money, but you need him to be playing like 20 minutes a game. Yeah, and it's just kind of scary with an injury like that where, like, it's one thing, like, Vitor's ACL in, you know, game 20 and then missed the rest of the season and like now it's like oh he's still kind of rehabbing getting into game speed but it's like at the time like he tweaked his knee is what we were told and so it's either just a blatant lie from the front office or it's like a really serious issue Mm -hmm. and he is i have seen some clips of him practicing so he is on the court um it's not it's not like he's like completely sidelined i i I think they're just getting back up to speed but I, but I agree. All all eyes are on the knee, and and can he play? Is he is he like at the caliber? Like, could we give him the cheesy moniker of like he's the heart and soul of this team? I think you almost could. Yeah, yeah. I think you almost could. Uh, we say this almost every episode. We've come a long way since since hating on the Martin twins. I like Cody Martin. <laughs> yeah, dude. I just do. It's like I never would have thought that it'd be like an August day, and I just be like. I really hope Cody Martin's healthy this year. <laughs> like, can't wait to see him on a fast break because even like when it's bad, it's still entertaining. Like, I would rather watch him run into three guys and like run into a charge than watch Kelly Oubre have twenty points. 
And yeah, the thing about him, you're talking about Kelly Oubre, you're talking about anybody else on the roster. The thing about him is that he knows his role, dude. He knows he's not supposed to dribble. Like, uh, you, you don't see too many Cody, Cody Martin isolation plays. He has a low usage. He, he knows he just he just stays on the three-point line, and if he gets the ball, shoot it. And, like, that's good on offense and on defense. Uh, he does a very, very good job. Uh, he's has all the hustle plays. Um, I mean, I sound cheesy, but but he really does know his role. There is something to be said about that. He's not trying like James Book Knight or, you know, I can see Nick Smith Jr. trying to like make something happen. And Cody Martin knows that's not what he's supposed to do. So there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Like Book Knight is going for like, oh man, I'm going to get like a chase down block. And Cody is just like, I'm going to be like two inches inside this passing lane, deflect it, and LaMelo will get the steal. It's like he doesn't even get like sexy nerd stats. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. With that, uh, let's move on to Nick Smith Jr. Uh, I'm I'm super high on on Nick Smith Jr. Of I think the rest of the list of players, he is who entices me the most. He went off in the summer league for 33 points uh, against Portland. For me, that was like the most memorable of the entire summer league for the Hornets. An abysmal summer league, but Nick Smith Jr. with a couple. Uh, awesome dribbles and then scoring in the final seconds against Portland, even though we still lost was like my favorite moment of the entire summer league. Maybe aside from the dunk on Victor uh, by Kai Jones, he who shall not be named. Um, But he just got hot as hell. Couldn't miss breaking down guys off the dribble might have like the second or third best handle on the team right off the bat, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and say that. And, you know, he's viewed as like a top 10 lottery pick before his disappointing season in college um yeah i think i think he could be good i like it um i totally man that that handle question that um i'm not gonna think about that but i don't think you're far off i, I don't um, think so either i mean just the flashes he showed in portland we don't really have anybody that does that kind of shit like but you know the, the thing is it's just because we don't let kai jones cook dude <laughs> you know beat lebron in one-on-one all right jokes aside um, yeah, I have a non a semi-quantifiable stat for Nick Rich or uh, <laughs> Nick Smith Jr. Jesus Christ. Um, how long will his highlight reel be at the end of the season? Over under two and a half minutes. Ooh, let's let's go higher, man. I I think he I think he's a highlight reel player. I lo- I love bucket getters like him. I mean, I have a I have a soft spot for it. Yeah, I have I've developed a big affinity for them. I've um you know, just ran through a lot of YouTube games. I have them in the backgrounds like when I'm doing stuff around the house, like cleaning or like, you know, working from home. And um so I've ended up getting like to like an 80s rabbit hole. And you just watch all these rant like Buck Williams in the 80s and you're like, "Damn, man, like these guys had so much style." Like mm-hmm. I really I'm at the point like the Hornets I hate to break it to you guys. I assume you know by now. I hope we're never winning a championship. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I just want, I want style over substance. And it, from a backup guard, like not from our best player, but yeah, from like our seventh man, I just want buckets. I want someone that, you know, plays with a little bit of style. And um, yeah, I, I think that he'll have, he'll have a four minute, like 15 second highlight reel. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he's going to have a good year. All right. Um, for our discussion next, let's go to uh, your boy, Tim, Teo Maladon, fourth pick in the 2020 NBA draft uh, in the second round. 22 years old, Tim. He's younger than James Booknight. 
on a two wheel two way deal this year. Uh, so he's gonna be spending some time in the G League. Last year he played 854 minutes for the Hornets. Um, and I think you can see expect to see that go down just a little bit with the more depth we have at the position this year and and not as many injuries. Um, but explain why you like it. I, I don't really get it. Dude, he's just good at basketball. It's not like he doesn't do anything specifically well. I think he's like an above average like table setter. That's a tough time, you know, breaking down defenses. Obviously, the shooting is not great. But, like, we're not talking about, like, even a second guard. We're talking about, like, a third or fourth guard on a team. He's just a professional. So that's why my stat for him is over under seven and a half all-NBA teams for his career. What you got? Under. Yeah, I think you said it well. He doesn't do anything, anything exceptionally well. He's 30% from threes, three and a half assists per game. Uh, okay, yeah, I guess I guess if you're talking about a third or fourth guard, but from a young player like that, you want to see flashes. He doesn't show any flashes. You know who did show flashes, Mark? Who's that? James Booknight. What's he doing? What's the point? This he is hasn't, he hasn't really shown flashes, dude. We might have said that before. We were just talking ourselves into it. Nah, the Sacramento game, his rookie year. Maybe this is a, um, you know, because now you're back into football after a couple-year layoff. Maybe this is a uh, Brock Purdy, Trey Lance situation, and he's Brock Purdy. No. It's like, maybe, you know, when that championship team's coming, he's going to be our Mario Chalmers. I'm stamping my stamp on he's going to be out of the league in two years. All right, we'll bet, we'll bet a night of drinks on that. Okay, sounds good. Uh, next up, dude, we got uh, Edmund Sumner, who the Hornets recently signed. Uh, and for this, we have a clip from Peter Dillon uh, at the Nets Fans You Know uh, podcast. Let's listen to it. All right, here's the deal with Sumner. He joined the Nets last year as kind of a high-reward, low-risk signing Uh the Nets have liked him over the last couple of years. He was actually acquired in 2021, but they waived him four days later just because of roster space. He played 53 games with the Nets last year, seven points, a rebound, an assist, 46% from the field, 35% from three, 91% from the free throw line, and a player efficiency rating of 14. He played mostly point guard for us. Uh, he would get these spurts of getting good, like good run, and then they just wouldn't play him after. It was very, very strange. He scored. Uh, let me see. I have it in front of me right now. He scored more than twenty points four times out of the fifty-three games. I'm going to look at his. He's got games of twenty-one, twenty-four, twenty-nine, twenty-three. But right after the KD trade, nothing. As a matter of fact. Two out of his last three games before the KD trade, he put up over 20 points. The guy was a, like a good veteran, good locker room guy. He's good on defense, high energy, but he just didn't get, he didn't get the time. When the Nets were on their big win streak during the season, he actually was like averaging some pretty good, pretty good minutes per game. I would say on, on his game, it's uh, you'll probably see him as a change of pace guard. I don't think he would play with, with LaMelo, but he's definitely adequate, good bat, like backup point guard. Uh, if he could shoot more than 35% from three, I think you guys are going to love him. Supposedly, last year he was just getting his legs back, so he says he's going to be a lot better this year. He wanted to come back to the Nets, and a lot of Nets fans really wanted him back. 
But I'm not sure what happened there. I'm not sure if it was a like a KD type of thing that uh that or they wanted someone else younger to play. But let me see. I think right after the KD trade, he played in exactly. I'll tell you right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like eight. He played eight out of maybe like thirty games after the KD trade, and none none of them had over twenty minutes. He had minutes of like four, five, eight. That, the role that I see him playing with you guys, like I said, backup point guard. He could have explosions of 10, 15 points. That's what I would look forward to. He's definitely a great player for a rebuilding team because he's just a positive locker room guy. Like I said, good defense. But I wouldn't expect anything more than that. I would not want him starting for you guys if, God forbid, LaMelo goes down. All right, Tim, you know what I heard from that? KD wanted him. KD wanted him to play, but then once KD left... uh that Edmund Sumner uh, didn't get any minutes because they were trying to tank. Man, what I heard from that is uh, the Suns offered Devin Booker for KD, and the Nets were like, nah, dude, Sumner, that's his spot. <laughs> All right. not guards. I, I, do, I do actually like his game. Uh, this is not a bit. He had a 40% free throw rate last year. That's the number of free throw attempts per field goal attempt. And, like, for context, Lamelo's at 17% free throw rate. He gets to the line a lot and shots 91% on those attempts, Tim. Uh, and he did actually play real minutes. He played, like, 50 games for the Nets last year, 13 minutes a game. Um, I kind of hope he makes the team. Um, For your sake, I do hope he makes the team. I would say, like, I always re- – like, it's hard to root against guys like that. Like, yeah. I want to make the team, but I got to be honest – I. Before we signed him, I had literally never thought about Ed, 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 never thought about him before. Edmund Sumner. Fun fact: He's not from Brit. Uh, he's not from the UK. Uh, you might think so based off his name. He's from Detroit. Um, Edmund Sumner. All right. Next person on the list: James Booknight. What you got? He sucks. I'm completely out as well. All right. Next on the list, we got Frank. Uh, Wait. All, all jokes aside, I do. I do have a James Booknight quiz for you. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, how many games in Book Knight's career do you think he has scored over 10 points? Seven. Oh, wow. Is that correct? No, actually, triple that. 21. A okay. lot of them are 10 points. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, um, he was not very good in the summer league. He was not very good last year. He was not very good his rookie year. At some point, you have to kind of just move on and let other people uh, get that run like Nick Smith Jr. I mean, if he does well this year, we're both going to be happy. Like, we won't be disappointed. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm game, you know, at least we really nailed the other pick in that draft. So, that's good. Okay. Granky Smokes, eighth pick in the 2018 draft. Perhaps, perhaps just as disappointing as James Booknight. Um, he has not panned down the NBA I appreciate the Hornets taking a flyer on him, but dude, he shot 25% from three last year, 67% from the line, three points per game. Just has not been good in the NBA for like five or six years, however long he's been in the league. Um, so I think this is kind of like his last shot. Um, Yeah, you know, if you're going to get a last shot, I mean, Clifford, give him credit. I mean, he 
you know, sometimes to his detriment, but he does he does believe in his backup guards. Mm. It's like more than like the first round picks. Like, you know, he loved Michael Carter Williams so much that when he got fired after not playing him over Malik Monk, that when he went to Orlando, he's like, MCW, come with me. Let's do it. Um, you know, bottom on Fultz. He likes the backup guards. And you know what, man? If if he's good, I mean, like, think about this time last year. What were our thoughts on like Dennis Smith Jr., who was yeah. picked the after him so it's like i i really doubt that he's going to have that kind of like is it a reclamation project like is that too high of praise but you know yeah i mean if he's serviceable for 35 games that'd be cool i don't think he's gonna be serviceable for 35 games i'm just gonna say it uh i'm i'm kind of out that's that's my take on, on frankie smokes i think i think we have too many other people that should be playing that's true. And that's like my one worry where I'm like, is Clifford learning from the sins of the past? Or like, is is Frankie Smokes going to be putting up 28% shooting while Nick Smith is lighting it up in Greensboro, never getting a chance to get the court? Exactly, exactly. And he loves like defensive guards. Like that's the one thing you could say about Frankie, right? Is that he's like, oh, he has defensive potential. Yeah, it's cool. It's almost like the reverse money ball where like, Billy Bean was always like, I want guys to get on base. And Steve Clifford's like, I want a good second baseman that's got a strong arm and hits 190. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll have flash. If he starts playing, that's flashbacks to Malik Monk uh, not playing. Bryce McGowan's, um, I got to say, not a good sign when like a second year player is the third or fourth best guard on a summer league team that was horrible. Um, Kind of expect him to have, you know, he's a little bit more experienced. Maybe he's up there with Brandon Miller. But no, Nick Smith Jr. and Brandon Miller just completely outshined him or outshone, I don't know what the word is, in the the summer league. Um, And, you know, there there were little flashes last year. But in reflection, I think our team was just so bad that it was easy to get excited about the potential of Bryce McGowan's. Uh, not ruling him out. Not ruling him out like I am, like Frankie Smokes, James Booknight. But uh, he has a lot to prove. Yeah, it's like a weird, like the world's least exciting roller coaster ride where it's like, oh, we got him in the second round. Man, he was like, you know, a first round prospect. And then, you know, when he played well, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, when he sucked in summer league, it's like, well, I mean, he was a second-round pick. Right. So, I mean, let's be realistic. So, just up and down. I don't know. I have, like, I have fleeting thoughts. Like, he's just one of those guys where if you told me that he sucked in the rotation, I wouldn't be totally shocked. And if you were like, oh, yeah, yeah he shot 37% in Greensboro, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him this year. Um, Amari Bailey, second round pick for 40 something overall. Um, his dad played in the NFL. You know who his dad is, Tim? Is his dad Champ Bailey? No, it's Aaron Bailey. He played for the Indianapolis Colts. (laughs) 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 I thought thought I'd get you with that because I I saw it earlier. I I planned this out. Um, he's a project, he's a project on a two way deal. Didn't didn't show much in summer league. Again, if like him and Bryce McGowan's were good in the summer league, we wouldn't have lost every single game. Um, and he's going to be spending a lot of time in Greensboro. So if you're in the Greensboro area, check him out. Um, 
I, I guess that's that's all I have to say on him. He's he's a guard. What did you say earlier? He's a guard that like would have been very good in 2002. Not even necessarily very good, but just a guard that reminds me. He's like a he's from a bygone era. Yeah, where it's like ah, uh, you know, he takes it strong to the cup. Yeah, he can't really shoot, but ah, he's physical. Oh no, now I'm, I'm also thinking, Mark. You have some you have some international friends. And when you said, like, oh, it's a good time if you're in Greensboro, I'm just imagining one of your friends going to a concert and they're like, oh, man, I have a day to burn. What should I do? And you're like, dude, you got to check out Amari Bailey. <laughs> they're going yeah. against Sioux Falls. <laughs> like the main <laughs> red. You got to check them out. All right. Last person on our list, RJ Hunter, dude. Blast from the past. He was drafted by the Celtics the same year as Terry Rozier. They were, they were rookies together. Kind of feels like a move to make Terry Rozier happy. Uh, his last NBA game was played in April of 2019, so four years ago. In that game, he dropped a career-high 17 points, and then the NBA blackballed him. Uh, they were like, oh, we can't have this. And he started playing in Turkey in Australia and has not played on an NBA team since. I think this is like the one player on this list that I'm the most confident in will not be on the team. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I like the idea of having to placate Terry Rozier. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was really funny. Like, when Dwight Howard was trying to leave uh, Orlando, he was like, bring my friends on the team or else I'm getting out of here. And they were like, okay, well, like, who do you want? Darren Williams? Chris Paul? And he was like, Jarrett Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that is Terry Rozier's RJ Hunter. Yeah, man. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how these players do, uh, in some preseason games. We're a week away from preseason action. Um, some more off season news, Tim, I got a Kelly Oubre Jr. Quote for you. He was signed by Philadelphia. He's referring to Philadelphia. Uh, this team wins every year, right? The fan base wants them to win more, but I come from teams where they have no hope, like zero hope within the whole city. And that's not this at all. So I appreciate the fan base for being hard on the team. What do you have to say about Kelly Oubre? I apologize for my language ahead of time, but oh, there's no put it. Kelly Oubre is just a fucking loser. <laughs> like it's someone like I all I like I'm pro union, pro supporting of anyone making minimum wage, minimum salary. It's like you scored 20 a game, you had every opportunity in the world to show that you don't suck. You got to play with Steph Curry, stuck there. He got to play with young Devin Booker, sucked there. Got to play with prime John Wall, Bradley Beal, sucked there. Every team he goes to is better off. And you know what? Honestly, I'm not a big fan of the Sixers, but the fact that he's on the team, they're going to be in the play-in. He is a loser. Out and out. Never does anything good. Frustrating player. The great game against Detroit. That was fun. Yeah, he won us a November game against you know the pistons the dude is just he's a loser all right uh more thoughts on kelly you know he left the suns and then the next year they made the finals he left the warriors the next year they made the finals he left the hornets the next year we were the seventh seed (laughs) (laughs) i would i would take that you know it's just, it's so hard to be Kelly Oubre. The fans just weren't cheering him enough 
the fans just didn't care. That's the reason that he sucks every year. The only good thing about Kelly Oubre is the fact that he has a good turnover percentage because he never passes the ball. He's a loser. And yeah, it's a good time. Score 20 points a game. Can't wait to see you and RJ Hunter ball out the turkey. <laughs> this really got to you. I, I love it. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't have the same uh, reaction. I was pissed a little bit, but I was like, yeah, you know, the, the city isn't very supportive <laughs> of the Hornets. We can, we can use some more fans of the game. But, yeah, that's not the reason. And it's, it's stupid because a year ago he said, or I guess in 2021-22, he said, this is the most fun I've ever had playing basketball. So just like, you know, don't say that shit and then talk shit about the city. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just it clearly struck a nerve because anyone that's listened, like, you know, what? I have no hard feelings with Nicholas Batum. Like, I really like every player that leaves Charlotte. I just root for him. Like when Kemba went to the Celtics, love the man, root for him. Like Stephen Jackson in Milwaukee, root for him. But yeah, something about Kelly Oubre. I was just like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah. All right. Other piece of news. The Hornets have a new jersey patch. Uh, the Feastables, dude, Mr. Beast, is sponsoring the team this year. And I saw some stuff on social media, uh, I think from people over the age of, of 40, like we're a joke franchise, YouTuber uh, is, is our sponsor. Dude, this is way cooler than Lending Tree. I got to say, like, it's kind of sick. Mr. Beast has a massive following, like, like, He's more popular than 90% of the shows on TV. Uh, he, I mean, maybe just every show on TV. He's incredibly popular. Kids love him. Uh, you know, he has cool videos. I've watched I've watched a few Mr. Beast videos before. You get sucked in, man. How long can 100 people stay in this circle? I don't know. I want to watch. Uh, and, yeah, he's... I think it's, I think it's a cool sponsorship. Now, that being said, I will not be buying any of the, any of the snacks. Um, but... I think it's cool. I also think it's just a very good marketing move. Yeah, man. I think it's cool. Like I'm I'm familiar with him through like the the memes and like YouTube will just send you emails being like, Are you sure you don't want to subscribe? But um yeah, man, I can't wait for the like Hunger Games S challenge of like, hey, I work with the Hornets. Who can stay in a room and watch consecutive games of the Hornets for five hundred thousand dollars? It's like I know that I could win that, but um like, dude, like, my nephew, who's nine, I've been trying to get him into the Hornets for the last, like, three years. And this is, like, a legitimate way to be like, hey, Mr. Beast works with the Hornets. And, like, I will get him to watch a game this year just because of that. So, I mean, that's that's cool with me. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, for anybody out there who doesn't know who Mr. Beast is, uh He's way more popular than the Charlotte Hornets. Just got to say. Lending Tree, not more popular than the Charlotte Hornets. But Mr. Beast, way more popular than the, than the Hornets. I think it's a very smart, very, very smart marketing move um, to try to and get also, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he also just gives away money, which is pretty cool. He gives away money to his subscribers. They get to be in his videos. I mean, I, no, no hate for Mr. Beast. Seems, seems like a good dude. Uh, Tim, what do you got for Media Corner? Oh, wow. Never asked me this before. Um... I'm going to go with the movie uh, Barbarian. Mm. Have you have you seen it? No. Um, it is a it is a horror movie. It is starring um, Bill Skarsgård. I actually do not know the main actress's name. And uh, Justin Long, 
we had any dodgeball fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say it is one of the most interesting horror movies I've seen in the last like five years. Better than the usual. Not a big fan of the A24 uh, surreal horror flicks. So this is a, a good old classic. All right. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to our friend uh, Isaac Black who just launched a uh, podcast called the Wild America's Podcast. He is traveling uh, from the top of Alaska to the bottom of South America and then to Antarctica, right? Um, And uh, yeah, he has been on the podcast before to talk hornets. He's Tim and I's friend. And I was the first guest on the first episode. So go listen to me talk about non-hornets things on, on that podcast. Yeah, get to know the mark behind the mic. That's right. Mark behind the, the mic. All right. It's been real, Liquor Tim. All right. It's been real, Liquor Mark. Be safe out there. Peace. Peace.